From the Dub Lab Studios in Virgil Village, California, this is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. To my left, for the first time in 2017, from Yo Is This Racist, Andrew T. I'm back, baby. And to my right, she came here to speak truth and chew bubblegum, and she's just unwrapped her last piece of bubblegum. Molly Lambert. I am the hacker. We're going to talk about They Live today because we were forced to uh, by circumstances. And uh, I'm going to uh, hype Molly on The Expanse with uh, help from Andrew. Oh, I'm going to hype you on The Expanse, man. I love The Expanse. I've been watching The Expanse. I was up late. It's early, by the way. This is drive time, North Mollywood. It's 8.44 a.m., which is... Yeah. We should have brought, like, fucking... Um... Like some squeakers, some some like like a morning zoo type air horns, some like clack, clackety clacks. Yeah, yeah. And like a, I assume a, a none touring of that, comedian. That all that happens live and not in post, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think the air horns and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah that all, actually is just live because it's radio. <laughs> that's all on, all on a soundboard. Everything's live. I want to put this out immediately afterwards. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, did you guys decide on uh, they live because? Uh, because of all the alt right, what not happening, or yes, okay, but also we were like, what a good excuse to talk about how good they live is. <laughs> There's any silver lining other than John Carpenter himself having to get on Twitter and, and regulate, uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. First, let's talk about. Uh, I I stayed up too late. I had to get up this morning for this at 8 a.m. Something I'm unaccustomed to doing, but I was up too late because I had to finish watching a TV show. Binge watching a television show as as one does. I mean, that's what I do every day. <laughs> you're in the middle of like three rewatches right now. I see you tweeting I, about you're you're deep in a Sex in the City rewatch that can't have been going on for that long. Well, I started it because I watched a serious man, um, and then I was like, I have to watch something else less <laughs> intense. Had you never seen that before? No, I've never it? seen it. Oh wow! Um, I'm lucky you though. <laughs> Yeah, lucky me. My dad had been telling me to watch it since 2009 when it came out, uh, and I finally took his advice and watched it. Um, But I was home alone, so I was like, oh, I'm going to be up all night thinking about (laughs) this movie now. (laughs) It's going to be fine. (laughs) Wait, so your palate cleanser was like hours and hours and hours of sex in the city? Yeah, I was just like, what's the opposite of a serious man? Uh, Something you've watched before and therefore has no suspense that Mm. you can kind of deal with. Uh, <laughs> but also it's just that thing of you're like, there's so much new TV. There's so many things to watch. I'm just going to watch something I've seen a million times already instead. I want to I take you to the mat because I know you're the champion um, binge watcher, Molly, but I've been sick since, prob- literally since the last time you guys saw me, I've pretty much been sick <laughs> in bed. And I had my marathon day uh, one week ago where I watched all of Search Party Hunt for the Wilder People, White Men Can't Jump, there's more, uh, Nocturnal Animals, and then uh, X-Men Apocalypse in one sitting. What is Hunt for the Wilder People? Um, It's great. It is probably, I'm going to go on a limb and say one of the best movies of 2016. It is uh, Taika Waititi, um, who is the uh, Flight of the Concords, yeah. like director guy. Made, what we do in the Thor. shadows too, the vampire. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. What we do in the shadows. Yeah. Eagle versus shark. That was him. Yes. yes. It was Taika Waititi. I liked that movie. I was like, if this movie were American, I wouldn't like it. But because it's Australian or yeah, New Zealand. New Zealand. Same, same thing, by the no, way. International totally different. listeners don't Completely don't different. Um, um, 
you would love Hunt for the Wilder People. It's basically about a uh, I don't know what race this kid is, but it's implied that he's sort of whatever the native New Zealand uh, Maori. folks are. Maori. Maori. Yeah. Maori. He's a Maori kid is Maori. Who, who loves um, like hip hop. He's like a city kid. He's on his last chance with a foster family. He gets sent out to the woods, and then um, he and the foster, the reluctant foster father, basically have to like walk in the bush for. The whole movie. Oh, cool! It is the best. That sounds great. It is so good. Uh, Definitely the best movie I watched. Well, White Men Can Jump is probably the best movie yeah, I watched. Yeah. But wow. you've seen that before. Yeah, but I had you know I realized I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I'd mostly seen it in parts. I hadn't seen it until like last year. Yeah, it's so good. I had no idea it was an LA movie. Yeah, I yeah. just assumed it took po- place in, in New York. New York because yeah. it's a street basketball Isn't movie. It like, it's Venice though, it's right? Venice, yeah. yeah. And it's like but 90s other parts Venice. of South LA too. It's the best. It is LA a movie. good movie. Yeah. Um, it's Werner Herzog's favorite movie of that year. So, Alex, you watched a TV show. I sure did. What? Tell uh, me about, what. <laughs> I abandoned my family and my responsibilities and uh, the need for sleep, and I watched all of The Expanse, which was a is a sci-fi, as in S-Y-F-Y. Not, it is also science fiction, but it's from the Sci-Fi Channel. Sci-Fi. It's the Sci-Fi, <laughs> the sci-fi movement. <laughs> As, as, as Molly said to me in text when I told her what network this show was on, she's like, they're still doing that, huh? Like, they, yeah. they're sticking to it. Um, well, but they're doing that. more. This is more. I remember when they did the big rebranding is like, we spell it this way now. Mm-hmm. And I just can't believe they haven't been like, okay, we're going to go back to not spelling it with Y's. Well, it's like we're spelling it this way because it's not just like uh, Ray Bradbury's sci-fi or something like that. Not that They you should know, be so lucky. Exactly. No, That's but it's, like, it's, it's broader. But this is actually a very traditional sci-fi thing in a lot of ways. Like, it is based on a series of novels by James S.A. Corey, which I've read one of. I read the first one, which is called Leviathan Wakes. You know, do you know this? Just James S.A. Corey is a pen name for a writing team. No. Yeah. I don't know anything. It's a pen name for a writing team. I don't know any of their names, but uh, and this might inform what happened next, is one of the parts of that team used to be George R.R. R. Martin's assistant. Ah, see, which, this is that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense, especially in light of the show, because the show feels very much in the same way that yeah. Game of Thrones as a TV show felt like here is your fantasy Battlestar Galactica. You know, here is your sort of uh, dark and adult and serious version of the genre. Fantasy shortcuts. Thing. Fantasy shortcuts. <laughs> this one is it, it is a Game of Thrones is a sci-fi Game of Thrones, right? So yeah. it has like thirty nine major characters, and they're all over the galaxy, and it takes a really long time for anyone to meet. Like there is a whole. There's like three major plot lines in this in the show that go on, and like the like I, the the Shori Agdashalu plot has not even really sort of connected up to. What things. is the plot of the Expanse? Oh, there's so oh, much. Man. There's two. Basically, it's like there is a. It, it's all your favorite sort of sci-fi conventions in one narrative. So you have a Blade Runner kind of like noir detective trying to find the missing girl in the uh, uh on the space station vibe with Thomas Jane wearing a fedora. 
over and the you've most... never seen his hair oh, before. You posted that picture oh of the hair. He's it got is... <laughs> he's got like like limp Skrillex hair. It's the, it's the funniest. It's the best. Yeah, he looks like a divorced dad who just wants his son back and has gotten a My Chemical Romance haircut in order to impress him. Um, it's it, 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 you get used to it after a while, and it's just like, oh, this is what haircuts are like. This in the future. In the future, this became a standard men's haircut. People went back to flock of seagulls. Yeah, they went back. <laughs> it looks like Thomas Dolby. Like it's just, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, so there's that one, and that's a very that, that's that's very much like that. That's the thing you think it is. It's like he's he's looking for the the microfilm and like trying to figure it out and getting punched in the stomach a lot and drinking and you know he's a yeah he's like a washed up ex cop. Yes, he's a Rick Deckard kind of a figure. But then at the same time, you have a completely different sort of alien style space narrative going on out in the distant reaches of space. Um, But the big plot is basically that Earth has, it's 200 years in the future. There are human colonies on Mars as well as on Earth and in an asteroid belt around Mars that they sort of exploit for resources. And Earth and Mars are about to go to war. And so this is about all of the things leading up to war between Earth and Mars at at this moment. Like you don't get there in the first season, obviously. But That's cool. Yeah. Is there space trucking? There's space. There's Mostly. ice mining. Yeah, <laughs> they they mine the rings of Saturn. I think the thing that that um, isn't so much in the first season of the show, but becomes more of a thing, is that the people on the asteroid belt. So these are people who've grown up on the asteroid belt and have never and can never experience like the gravity of a planet because their bones are like long and brittle. So they're like seven (laughs) feet tall, have like weird, they look like kind of like weird freak aliens. Um, Do they look like tall grays? They're getting, it's clearly like they're evolving towards tall grays, I feel. Um, But they also have their own language that's like a patois of like all the spoken languages and then the sign language you'd have to use in a spacesuit. So you have to, you they like, nod like with their fist as if Kermit were saying yeah or like whatever. Is it hilarious? Um, it is not played for laughs, but yeah. it happens to be hilarious. I mean, yeah, that's it, it, and they have a little bit of that in the you can't really do that in the show as easily because yeah. you can't cast that many there aren't that many seven foot tall actors, you They're know. So all <laughs> Dutch and African people clearly that were trucked in from like they clearly also shoot it in like Estonia because it's sci-fi and it's cheap as hell. And like, or Toronto, I guess. But it's like, yeah, like people that can't quite play basketball are like all the extras. I'm just picturing like a million George Murasons. Yeah, exactly. It's it, they should have like if they had the real budget for it, they could have gotten a million George Murasons. And instead, they get just for key moments. They're like, oh, this is what everybody's going to be like pretty soon. Like, look at that. And, uh, like when they have to, and he has to like pull somebody down over a counter and be like, listen to me. That's always some very. So Thomas gangly. Jane is like the detective. Yeah, Thomas Jane's the detective. Another thing that's great about this, you asked if it was played for laughs. The answer is no, but they've. Cl- clearly allowed every actor to make their own decisions about how seriously to take this material. So there are some people that are playing it real straight. And then Thomas Jane is like, he clearly, he was workshopping a Nathan Detroit and didn't get it. And then was like, you know what? I'm just going to use this. I have it. I have these, like he's, he's ready to, at any moment you're ready for that hat to come off his head and kind of roll down his arm, you know, he he does wear a fedora the whole time. Well, that's how you know someone's a detective in space. Exactly. People make fun of it, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's, la- it's lampshaded in the show. It's the 2040s, 1940s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the thing I really like about the novel is, and this is me as a person who doesn't consume a lot of sci-fi, so Alex, you might know more about this, is that 
everyone on the show or everyone in the novel is like very literate about the physics of space travel. Like they're always like, oh, we can never turn around that quickly. This thing weighs at least like 200 kilograms. And with our like angular momentum, we, you know, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's just spouting that shit off very casually. Some people don't like the sort of info dump parts of books like that, but I do. Like people that are like, oh, I don't like all the parts of Moby Dick about whaling. I'm like, what are you talking about? Those are the raddest parts. Well, these are very casual though. This is like, instead of like, Oh, park the car. It's like, okay, well, we're going to need to like match the velocity of the spin of the space station. <laughs> well, everybody knows or that. Or the gravity and- will tear us up. They talk about gravity all the time. It's so amazing. I mean, that's what your life would be. Your life would be math yeah. all the time. That yeah. would be the, that's part of space madness, actually, is having to do all those numbers, <laughs> all those things. That would be the first thing that would keep me out of space, frankly. I'd be a belter for life. <laughs> What's a belter? No, stay on the belt. Stay on the, the, the asteroid the belt. The asteroid belt people. <laughs> Belters, baby. Do they not have to deal with gravity? They like, do have to deal with. Everybody is also always wearing uh, magnet boots to stay on the on the ship. Like there's, it's it's a plot point occasionally. Like they'll do things that are, you know, they'll float up and you know they'll let the magnet boots go. Basically, How? the show it, it clearly is on a sci-fi budget. The ships look like they were made from Wing Commander on the outside. That's a small bummer. Um, it probably deserves an HBO budget, and I'm a little surprised I didn't get it on a different channel, frankly. Um, they spent all that money already. Yeah, making... Well, yeah, it's... Look, you got Westworld instead That's of this. That's what I'm saying. So what you they, do, they were like, we got one epic sci-fi show. You should watch we're The Expanse and imagine Westworld budget on it. You know, it. I'm kind of charmed by, like, a chintzy sci-fi thing. I like a, a practical effect and a bad prosthetic. No, no, this is bad CG. Oh, I don't like that. It's a little bit cutscene. In the video yeah. game, yeah. sometimes I like that. I can get down with that as a as a, a new a sort of a 2017 version. If of, it's on Sci-Fi, I'm like, well, yeah, that's what they're what gonna do. If it's on HBO, I'm like, but it's well, quite, it's quite gritty. Harder. It's like it's good. Did you, Alex? Did you find when you were watching it? Because I find I found I think I probably similarly binged it overnight. And because there's so much like dark of space in it, it feels great to watch like four in the morning. It's relaxing. It's so dark. And you're like, well, no, but you're like in the void with them. <laughs> I definitely, there's a lot of uh, space camera angles. You can't see what I'm doing. You, uh, Is it a Dutch listeners. angle? There's a lot of space Dutch angles where they're just in a ship and they will sort of float the camera sideways just yeah. to make you feel like you're on the ship and like that after a while I did start to get vertigo in some <laughs> yeah. of scenes. You're sort of tilting to a Dutch angle while trying to describe this. Exactly. I, yeah. I may just be tilted now. From <laughs> I mean if you're show. listening at home, just turn your your uh your iPhone like forty five degrees real slowly and you'll get the same effect. Yeah. Do they do lens flares? There's no lens flares actually I that I can that's think cool. of. Digital really. lens flares. There's a oh, there might be yeah. they're pretty good about being like, yeah, the sun is super far away and it is cold outside. You'll die if you th- like even think about going outside. Are we on Team Earth or Team Mars? Uh, that will tell you who you are. Uh, well, who are I'd the fascists? My, my Your favorite- te- you would be Team Asteroid Belt. The, the, the powers are lined up as close to Cold War as possible. There's like kind of America that's like Old? the Earth. Earth is nominally America. It's sort of nominally uh, democratic, but kind of like you can tell it's not. Um, the actually and a great character in the show and the novels is uh, the Secretary General of the UN, who's like an older Indian lady who is bloodthirsty as hell, but like you know puts on a nice face because she's an old lady. Um, she's like kind of like a Angela Merkel meets I don't know 
even even more bloodthirsty, Is I guess. Is that how you say Angela Merkel's name? Yeah, Angela Merkel. Well, that's so much scarier in German when you say it like that. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Wait, what Angela. <laughs> No, what do you? She is the last bulwark of liberal democracy on earth. That's a fact. <laughs> right now, Angela Merkel is the last best hope for democracy. But uh, yeah, uh, and then Mars is like stereotypically like all they do is build the best warships, and like everyone is sort of like a Spartan, bred to fight a little bit. And then the people in the asteroid belt get you know the companies that own the space stations in the asteroid belt. They they just get fucked, and, but they get used as sort of proxy between the two, also. So, uh, yeah, you would for sure be Team Belt. Yeah, Molly, your, I'll tell your, you. your Belters are, are like your your Alien One kind of Harry Dean Stanton mm-hmm. coveralls and although you know, I told I, I was saying I had a horrifying realization uh, about space trucking, which is that it'll all be robotic. There won't be any human space truckers on yeah. space trucks. Yeah, we I, there's most of sci-fi like all the last generation of sci-fi is going to be cool, but have one detail so thoroughly wrong that's going to make the whole thing laughable. Well, I feel like we're in the dystopian future now. So yeah, other alternative dystopian futures are like sometimes less scary. Well, this one is is interesting because it's it's basically like if what if the future was just now, but 200 years from now. And so very little has really changed except that now there's, there's more planets. For these things to this happen, what, only and only a few more planets. Yeah, I mean, well, I, the, I, they, yeah, but they really only have one. You know, yeah. it would take a long time to build that whole thing. And it's yeah, it's interesting because it, it it's not it's not really trying in the same way that Game of Thrones is just sort of about what's happening on Game of Thrones. Like, it's there's not a lot of subtext to this one, but there are, like basically that there's no all the uh, racial division has been replaced by planetary division basically like there seem to be people of all races on both planets mm-hmm. but they are you know they, they they hate each other for because they're martian there's a little bit of alien shit in this but mostly it's like no one can go faster than the speed of light everyone's fucking like like calculating mass and inertia all the time and like nothing really breaks the rules except for and when it does break the rules everyone's like oh my god what the hell is happening and then they have to do all a bunch more math to figure out like what it is. And then once those rules are established, they continue with them through the rest of the books. So they're like, yeah, this alien thing does this thing in this way. And like, these are the rules of that. And I'm like, okay, it's great. Cool. I love it. I love the expanse. So you guys are pro the expanse. I'm pro. I'm pro the expanse. I, I this is my sci-fi show pick. Everybody's uh, watching the OA right now. And I, 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 I started that. It seems all right. This, this is much more. For your, for, for, this is where I'm spending my my sci-fi uh, withdrawal from post Westworld. This is where it was where it went. Uh, the new season. The reason I did this. The new season starts February first on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, but you can watch the whole thing if you have Amazon. It's free on Amazon Prime. You can see Windermere from Twin Peaks show up as the Martian ambassador and say, "I've been banned from Mars for life," which is, I think, that's in episode three. That's the moment <laughs> I became a fan of the show. Does Cuddy show up in the show? He's in the show, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it must be because I wouldn't have known he was in the show otherwise uh cuddy from the wire is also an idol i know who cuddy is the you don't have cuddy to say from Earth. the wire although i've been watching love and hip-hop new york my favorite <laughs> epic fantasy show and uh snoop from the wire joined this season what? and every time they introduce her they say snoop from the wire so you know that she's not snoop the other snoop it is criminal that she didn't get more what is she doing these days well 
She's uh, dating many hot babes. No, there's podcast drama. That's what happens. She goes on somebody's podcast and flirts with somebody on a, on a sex podcast to promote her line of sex toys. And then her girlfriend gets mad at her. Her girlfriend's like, you were that. You let that woman feed you a strawberry on the air. And then how, they get in a big fight about it. How else are, is one supposed to promote one's line of sex toys? That's right. Uh, well, most importantly, uh, you guys have never once fed me strawberries all the times I've been on this show. So Maybe next time. I'm saying get your shit together, guys. We'll take care of that right now, and then we'll be back. Welcome back, everybody, to North Mollywood. We're going to take a trip back in time to the 1980s uh, and then also to the present. I wish we were talking about They Live for different reasons, but we have a reason to talk about They Live, and that's something to be thankful for. John Carpenter, the director of They Live, had to go on Twitter this week and say, for the record, as the person who made this movie, that this movie is not, in fact, about international Jewry and their control of the banks and the media. And it was actually weird because I then, I, I, you know, I retweeted that when I saw him. So I was like, that, damn right, John Carpenter. Like, you tell those alt-right people what, you know, put them in their place. Mm-hmm. You know, tell them why you mad, John They're the ones dressed up like lizard frogs. For real. They're the frog people. Yeah. John Carpenter, human being, had to get in there and say it. Um, but then I actually had to – it was hard to like f- to figure out what he was specifically responding to and I had to kind of run it down. And it seems like there's just – there it, as these things are now, there's one or two people on YouTube making some videos sitting on a couch talking into a camera about stuff that they've figured out. Well, there was a good spin article about it that said that this is a conspiracy among racists that goes mm. back to 2008 at least that they're – it's sort of like an offshoot of like Red Pill, Reddit Red Pill, which is the idea that you're taking a sci-fi movie where people like wake up to the truth of reality and that what you wake up to is that the world is controlled by Jews. Right. Because the Red Pill is like when you, it was initially, it's like we wake up to the, the world is, is controlled. The women have taken all the power away from men yes, sexually and we're going to recapture it. So you go from which that. Which is not what The Matrix is about. It's interesting that, yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. It's what the Wicker Man remake is about. <laughs> that and bees. <laughs> and memes. And bears. But uh, not really what They Live is about. And uh, I, can I throw, I'm going to throw this out there. First of all, um, it's a little remarkable that, like, like fields of, like, like, feminist film study or like critical race film study is a whole field of academic study that's been built up since like the sixties. And, uh, like on the flip side, these fucking racist misogynists have used, basically used Reddit to, to create a whole field of misogynist film theory, racist film theory. That might just be regular film theory. (laughs) Well, no, but this is more explicitly, this is like this it, like so these movies support my explicitly racist views or or sexist views, and I'm going to read into them. Right, what is there? Well, I'm just saying, kudos to them for making a whole university level field of sure. study just in the wrong. Well, way. Well, here's where my brain went: was I I thought, yeah, it's weird that they go to a place of Jews run Hollywood 
Because guess why so many of the Jews went to Hollywood? Is because they got exiled from Europe when the Nazis came in. So a lot of Jewish filmmakers went to Hollywood because Germany had like a great vibrant film industry that then got completely shut down and they were accepted in Hollywood. And also one of the reasons why Nazis came in so hard was because they used this rhetoric of like Hollywood, you know, American culture is corrupting Germany. We're corrupted by things like Hollywood. Right. Well, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy sort of like, look at all these Jews corrupting our culture and we'll throw them all these Jews out and take them to the place where they can extra corrupt our culture. I mean, it's a thing where people that are the bad people are like, what if we're the good people? I am happy that I had an excuse to rewatch They Live yesterday. That was I'll, I'll I'll take it for any reason. I think we can dispense pretty quickly with any argument that they live is about. Literally, it's based on the fact that the first place that he goes when he realizes that uh, the zombies are not they're space zombies. Like, okay, here's the plot of they live very quickly. Um, Rowdy Roddy Piper plays a drifter who comes to downtown LA. He gets off a train in DTLA in the what looks like the late 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like it's it's the maybe it's the near future or something like that. Um, oh, it's the 80s. It's, it looks very much, yeah, it's very much that moment. They're almost ready for the, there's a, a joke in there about the roaring 90s. There's a mention of the 90s coming. Um, and discovers through, the, falls in with a group of revolutionaries and discovers these sunglasses that have something called the Hoffman lens, which apparently is an Albert Hoffman reference, a creator of LSD. And you can look at people oh, and things. Oh, that's funny. I always thought it was ETA Hoffman. Oh, interesting. Keep going. Anyway. I don't know. That's weird. I never, I like, I don't even know if it's maybe. Yours makes more sense. I guess. Maybe. But. Acid shows you what things really are. You open Um, your mind. That's what's up. Third eye. Or it helps you to be better at capitalism if you're into microdosing, (laughs) which is why I don't understand microdosing. Next week. (laughs) Next week, the microdosing episode. (laughs) Oh, sorry. We were supposed to take LSD next week. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, shit. (laughs) You did not get the email. Uh, so he finds these sunglasses that allow you to see the world as it truly is. And when he starts looking at people walking around, especially rich people and, uh, sort of fancy people in LA and white people, uh, he sees them for the sort of gross rotted space zombies that they really are. And when you look at a billboard, you see what the message of conformity that it's broadcasting to you. So everything looks like a Barbara Kruger and it says like, obey and go to sleep and, you know, capitalism. Marry and, and reproduce. Yeah, marry and reproduce, all that stuff. So it's, I mean, it's been ripped off a million times in various things. Like everything looks very supreme when you look at well, the Well, everything looks the glasses. like uh, Shepard Fairey now because he yeah. ripped it off. Yeah, exactly. So he it will look homage. to you. If you, are, if you are a young person listening to this who has lived only in a Shepard Fairey yeah. reality. Imagine if everything looked like it was designed by Shepard Fairey, but that was bad. <laughs> exactly. That's what... That's what this movie postulates. And then he basically, you know, they they make their stand against uh, sort of space fascism um, in Los Angeles. In, with like a two by four. Literally, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There is an amazing, there. there's a fight scene in this movie that is one of my favorite fight scenes ever, both because it is a really no frills. One of the reasons that you hire a wrestler, it's Keith David and Rowdy Roddy Piper having so a long, no cuts 
fist fight in an alleyway and then becoming best friends and the but it's and the reason they're fighting is because Roddy is trying to convince Keith David to put on the sunglasses so that he can see reality he's like either put on these sunglasses or start eating that trash can and he just won't do it and but it's a it is a fight between two men that's like literally it's a dramatization of of ideology and all those things. I and love this movie. And it's a good fight. It's such a And it's a, a great movie. fight. It's why you hire a wrestler to do acting. Like, because he can just do, he can just do fake. He's a good and, actor. Say I. I didn't make see, some good choices. I didn't see Terra Comes to Frog Town, but I've heard that's not as good. <laughs> Carpenter got something out of Roddy Piper that nobody's really gotten in any other film. He made um, him into Kurt Russell. He did. Yes. <laughs> That's actually, yeah, no, exactly. He got a very Kurt Russell in Escape from New York performance out of him where he's just sort of cocking his head at things. And like he just is, there's a moment once he realizes that most of the people around him, especially like people in banks and stuff, once he realizes that they're NPCs and he can just shoot them, there's a moment of real glee that you just see Roddy Piper just like, oh, I can shoot this. There's no consequences before he realizes they will also tell their friends and send the cops after him. Um, so you're just like killing cops for a while. Um, you cannot, if you can watch this movie and be like, as a fascist, this movie is about the things that I like and how my ideology is good. Um, then you can watch pretty much anything, I think, and get that message. Well, I think that's I'm, what I'm taking away from. If I may, if reading. I may disagree with that, actually. go for it. Here's here's what I would say is that though our institutions are corrupt and the people in power have do not have everyone's best interests at heart i do think there's this conflation of like conspiracy just general conspiracy someone who is inhuman and hates us is in charge is the wedge that the alt-right and our fact-free universe currently has somehow infected. Like, you conflate, yes, government has bad parts and, and like, megalomaniacal people who may or may not be in it for the right reasons. But government also, like, helps people and, like, greatly redistributes, you know, resources that otherwise, without government like the lizard people would just be robber barons, um, you know, your Carnegie's and your Bushes and your, you know, whatnots. And, and I just, I think like there is a part of me that's like, yes, John Carpenter means that our government is, um, has corrupt white people in it. But there is a part of me that's like, what is it about the idea of conspiracy in general that has been so conducive to, because you know, you're telling the, people that they're smarter than everybody, and people like to think that. Yeah, saying, and that yeah, and that some force is to blame for their suffering. Something is but to blame why for your suffering. Why has it been such a like like when the left wing version of that is just like uh, you wear a tinfoil hat and you go out in the woods, but the right wing version of that has become much more prevalent, and it is well the only alternative is a small core of racist racialized like like Nazis have to run everything. Those are the two alternatives is secret lizard people or Nazis. Well, they think that the other people that are going to try to run things are right. But that's, that's what I'm saying is like, I'm, I'm starting to think that the act of conspiracy theorism is in and of itself, like brings us to fascism by undermining the idea that like government can be good. Um, we get to this point where we're like, 
okay, well, then the only alternative is this sort of like might makes right neo-fascist. Right. Well, um, I'm thinking too, because I'm like, well, X-Files is about the idea that like the government's lying to you and. But they are also part of the government. Yes. I think, I think that's a thing. It's like the, that shows a war within the institution and they live postulates a universe where every the, the the institution is corrupt to the core. I mean, that's the thing with like right wing people. It's like Donald Trump's folks think that government is, you know, in and of itself a corrupt institution. Not a corrupt government is a corrupt government, but any government is a corrupt institution. So they might as well use the levers of power to steal as much as it is as they can and then shrink it down to as small as possible. And then everyone that gets damaged by that, fuck them. They're not white, mostly. Um, so I don't know. They're, to me, I'm like, I understand what John Carpenter was trying to say, but there's a part of me that's starting to believe that any conspiracy theory is fascist. <laughs> So like, I feel like I've said this on the show before, but the lone gunman on the X Files, if they made that today, those guys would be super racist, right? Yeah, they would be like ra- Man, they'd that's be race so realists. Depressing. They'd be like guys who are like you know, uh, phrenology had a lot of good ideas, and we threw yeah. out that stuff prematurely. Like, I wouldn't have a black doctor. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. I lone gunmen are good guys. I, I thought I'm you were going to say they Red, lone gunman 2016. <laughs> The Lone Gunman reboot. It comes out on Bright as a web series on Breitbart. Oh, that's so depressing. I thought you were going to say like they'd be multicultural and champions. no. I mean, I think I think we've seen the fact that Anonymous can't seem to fucking come up with Donald Trump's emails somehow. Yeah, why is that? Because at their heart, they're predominantly a bunch of white dudes who are right wing. Where There's did no- they all come from? How have they been multiplying? Um, I, I would blame probably Xbox Live and Reddit <laughs> and the fact that um, info security is easier than you think or is harder than you think. I just or, didn't think 4chan was like leading the way, but I was wrong. Yeah. What we did I know? We were, seriously, we thought they were only going to ruin being a woman who writes about video games on the internet. Oh, God. And we thought that was an acceptable. Well, that's like uh, what Emily Yoshida was saying, like, hey, or somebody, I think she tweeted it or retweeted it, just like, hey, women have met the alt-right for a long time. We yeah. knew. And that win, like, organized and militarized them and let them believe and understand that they have power. And they, you know, it's... But I, you know, I believed all the narratives of, like, white people are going to be a minority in America soon, and then they'll just have to deal with, like, the multicultural America that is the good America. Yeah. You're half right. That's that's (laughs) generational. And when you say deal... I think uh, also I maybe bought into the Oprah, like old racists just need to die thing without thinking too hard about all the young racists. Yeah, that's what I've been sort of saying is like, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, like this doesn't change that much. And the thing is, this election doesn't change that much in terms of make more racists in 2017. What it does is make a lot more racists in 2027. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are, the pendulum is swinging maybe back. I don't know. But like... I choose to hope that it's swinging back because the alternative is too depressing. Yeah. But I'm hoping this radicalizes people towards the left because they're like, well, the right wing forever was being, you know, veiled about racism and homophobia and sexism and 
saying it as sort of like in a veiled way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my friend was saying like, hey, remember how Bush's cabinet was like a diverse group of fuckbags? <laughs> you know, it wasn't just all old white guys. It was like, oh, like this woman's an asshole too. Um but they just kind of dispensed with that this time. And we're like, hey, no, we just are going all the way to the right. And that's why I feel like we need to go all the way to the left instead of trying to compromise in any way. Are you proposing the formation of the alt-left movement? Yes. On- I'm just saying, like, if they're not afraid to be like, let's build a wall to keep Mexico out, which is like a frightening racist yeah. bit of rhetoric, then like we can't be afraid to be like, hey, maybe we have to overthrow the government. Oh, I was going to say we need to start, you know, anarchist cookbooking. I don't know. Does anyone know how to make an IED? (laughs) Yo, I just read the Jerry Rubin book. I've got lots of thoughts. I'm just joking, (laughs) FBI. (laughs) Did you read Do It by Jerry Rubin? Yes. I have that. I haven't read it. It's so good. He says this thing over and over again. I mean, taking out of account that, like, he went on to become a yuppie. Uh, he says this thing over and over again that's like, all that matters is the image. Like, all that matters is like political theater, and it doesn't matter what you say, it just matters what you see, and that that image gets reproduced a million times. And I was like, that's what Trump did, and it worked. We need to reappropriate that and do it for good. Because he did all this stuff, like, they ran a pig for mayor of Berkeley. They did all these like mm-hmm. publicity stunts, basically, but it got them lots of attention, and it kind of worked until it didn't anymore. Uh, yeah, and it we're just, in like a post-serious political yeah, climate. Yeah, but I was so like, like, maybe we need to like do more silly stuff. Yeah, that, you're going to fight clowns? Yeah. It's time for the clown Because I do show. really feel like every time somebody retweets a picture of Donald Trump as a meme, even to make a joke about it, you're like helping him in some way. Because that's what he wants. It's just to like be his image replicated a billion times. And the thing to do is to like not do that and combat it with other images. Yeah, I've been somehow. I just blocked his ass. Come on. I don't we, follow him. We need Come our own people. Pepe. We That's do. That's what it's come down to. Yeah. Who could be, well, maybe like Dat Boy. <laughs> Dat Boy is our only hope. I think of Dat Boy actually as like, you know, he's going to fight Pepe to the death then he's going to win because he's a unicycle. Uh, Keep going with me. He's a vehicle. He's trans- he has transportation, an army of Dat Boys is what we need. Frog time. So we need more frogs. Hell comes saying. to Frogtown, baby. That's right. Hell is coming to Frogtown. <laughs> to me, They Live is also just the great one of the greatest movies about uh, L.A. in the 80s and downtown L.A. And when I watch it now, uh, I see the old crappy downtown and I'm like just so charmed. And the idea that they thought that was bougie and yuppie in the 80s is hilarious because it is so much yuppier now. Mm. Uh, it is now a total yuppie nightmare. Yeah. And uh, it is exactly a weird, just, you know, block by block. It's like incredibly expensive. And then people living on the street in total poverty and uh, just no seeming ability to reconcile those two things. I didn't think it was going to work. Uh, one, one thing, yeah, what happened to downtown LA is that it got gentrified not gradually, which I'd never seen before. It wasn't like artists started to live, white artists started living there and then like, White, like, assistants that started living That sort of is what there. happened. I mean... It went straight to the top, I feel like. No, but, I mean, it was, like, a, a city plan to make downtown yeah. a place again. And they had everyone had left downtown originally because of the atomic bomb. They were like, well, that's where it's going to get bombed. Let's all move to the suburbs. 
Um, and then the idea that people who live in LA would want to live in like an urban center, what they did, and I didn't think it was going to work either. I remember it was happening like my senior year of college and I was like, well, that will never work. And also downtown was a place you would go just like run around because nobody cared. You could just like run around there like Grand Theft Auto. Night, night of the Comet every night. Yeah. Like that's what we would do for fun. We would just like go downtown and walk around in the scary abandoned, uh, Industrial um, districts. I mean, I also now watch They Live as like a pre-LA riots movie um, about sort of escalating tensions between the rich and the poor and the white and everybody else who lives in Los Angeles. And the police is an arm of and that. And the police is an arm of that. And the police being somebody that white people trust and everybody else doesn't because they treat white people differently. I wish it were more on the nose. If it were like Carl Weathers as Rowdy Roddy Piper, <laughs> like it would just it should well, just be like, hey, black people need to rise up and kill right. the lizard white people that are but blah, nobody blah. exactly knew that was what was going to happen. It just seems obvious in retrospect. There's a lot of movies from that era, like I Predator think, I 2. I think black folks in L.A. knew that that was going to happen. Right, but I mean, maybe John I don't think Carpenter Hollywood. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Predator 2 is great for this, too. Yeah. This is a great double feature with this movie, by the way. Falling Down. There's As, a bunch of great downtown L.A. turn of the 80s into the 90s. I put Falling Down in, in sci-fi it's like a falling down. Movie that has been that's eclipsed. a movie the alt right can have. Seriously, yeah. like, that is the alt right. Take that movie. It's for you. It's your guy. I yeah. Anyway, I'm sticking with. But they can't have. They live. We've. I. I just think we've moved into an era where we have to seed all conspiracies. Like it's all. It's reality versus non-reality, and we have to be on the side of reality. So everything that's a conspiracy, that's out. Okay. Andrew votes out for 2017. Okay, but what about Area 51? No, that's what I'm saying. I think I think I used to be sort of charmed by sort of left wing kookiness shit. Yeah, um, not it's, charmed. It's out. It's out. Yeah. That shit turned out to be the wedge that may destroy. Well, I was us saying, all. what if yeah, also, you can have it? Also, Area 51. Uh, now I I know now feel like we'll know in 15 days for sure whether there are aliens <laughs> there because Trump will just tell us. <laughs> Trump will immediately tell us if there are aliens there. Well, I, I, you know what's going to happen is he's going to take office and stand on the podium and then pull his face off to show his true alien face. Yeah. Uh, you stand. Oh, you do stand on a podium. All right. You did. Podium, I don't right? know. No, you're right, you're right. He'll stand at the lectern. He's going to stand at the lectern and he's going to say, <laughs> sorry, made cut, America cut great this. again. <laughs> and then he's going to pull his face off. <clears throat> and he's a frog man. It's he's going to pull his face off and he's going to be Pepe. <laughs> and then we're going to find out that the world is being overtaken by tunes. We tried to tell In a you. reverse Roger Rabbit conspiracy theory I'm starting right now. Uh, That's how Roger Rabbit starts. <laughs> Roger Rabbit also about gentrification of downtown. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MTV Podcasts, and subscribe to this and other MTV Podcasts wherever you find your favorite shows. <laughs>